Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. We've got a sponsor this week, so a quick word from them before we jump on into it. Are you looking to up your game in a manner never before seen? Then head over to Kickstarter to back Tabletop Artisans and their new project, The Adventurer's Kit. It's an all-encompassing gaming accessory designed to carry everything a player would need to play a tabletop RPG, and it doubles as a playing area. Visit TabletopArtisans.com for more information and see them on Kickstarter to see for yourself. Heroes, this week I have filled the podcast with guests, and it's up to you to figure out which one is the imposter. No, I'm just kidding. But everyone on this week's episode can agree they know the feeling of imposter syndrome. And that was the inspiration behind this new games anthology by Ginger Goat, titled, appropriately, The Imposters. As soon as I read the descriptions for the seven games in this anthology, I knew this was something very cool I wanted to explore with you all. We talk about modifying games in pretty straightforward ways here on the show, hacking from system to system and so on, but these games don't do that exactly. They alter the experience of playing tabletop games with unique mechanics and also this shared premise of conspiracy and uncertainty that shape each of these games in profound and individual ways. I was lucky enough to get to talk to three of the authors who worked on this anthology that is currently on Kickstarter. Josh Jordan, who also put this whole thing together, Banana Chan, with a solo LARP, and Todd Crapper, whose game is, spoilers, very cool. Let's get to the show. All right, and joining me this week is uh, a a number of people. We've got a full house. Uh, We're going to talk with Josh T. Jordan, Banana Chan, and Todd Crapper about a anthology of games that uh, all three of them have a, a game in. Um, and that anthology is The Imposters. But before we jump into that, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves a little bit, where we might know you from? Uh, I guess I'll go first. I'm Josh T. Jordan. You can call me Josh. Uh, you might know me from the internet, from gaming. I uh, publish games under the press Ginger Goat, and games like Heroin, Singularity, Doll. Uh, so this... Not my first Kickstarter, but it's definitely one that I'm super excited about. Awesome. How about you, Banana Chan? Hi, I'm Banana Chan. I am one half of the blog slash uh, Kickstarter funding company, Game in a Curry. And uh, I've written a couple of LARPs, and they're posted on that website. I also create videos, and they're all on my channel on YouTube. And that would leave me then. That would be, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Todd Crapper, uh, the unmistakably named. Um, I am uh, the creator of uh, Killshot and Screenplay uh, and a couple of other games here and there on the side and uh, uh, under the Broken Ruler Games banner. And this is one of my first freelance projects in like a few years, actually. Oh, wow. I'm curious as to what got you uh, interested in this project in particular then. Well, this was something I did mine uh, for Game Chef, and it was right after I had finished working on uh, this last big game that took a couple of years to work on. So it was kind of a way to do something a little different and break out of my mold because a lot of the stuff I do is really crunchy, very, you know, I normally take a couple of years to work on most of my stuff. So this was a nice mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, okay, I'll take a couple, I'll take a week and I'll put something together and this will be nice and it'll be terrible and then we'll all just move on with ourselves. <laughs> but it was... I'm- I'm sure it's not it terrible. Is, it's longer <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. 
yeah, it, it's had some work. It's def, it definitely been uh, tweaked, uh, you know, since the uh, initial beginning of it. But it was something where when I put together Light of Day for Game Chef, there mm-hmm. was something about it overall that I liked, and I did want to find a way to do something with it. It just wasn't something that was on my radar at the time until I just happened to see Josh's tweet that he was looking for something for a possible anthology. And when he had mentioned specifically imposter syndrome, um, I literally, you know, had to look it up. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, I actually get that. It's like it has a name like everything else. It actually has a name. And there was something about this that really identified and and the Mm -hmm. fact that it was looking for something conspiracy themed. So this was more a chance of, oh, good, there's a way for this to maybe kind of get out there and maybe find out if it doesn't suck. And so far, so good. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you've gotten this far. It is it is uh, up on Kickstarter, so I it sounds sounds like it's not that bad. I, I hope so. Fingers crossed. Not, yeah. <laughs> not that excellent. That's what we like. It's um, been up, it's been upgraded from possibly sucks to not that bad. See, yeah. this is this is imposter syndrome. It's the never-ending cycle of doubt. <laughs> we'll see where we can get it up to by the end of the episode. How about that? Nice. <laughs> um, so, Josh, you put this together. You you put out this call on Twitter. Um, what? Where did this start? What inspired this anthology? Well, several years ago, in a small town. No. Um, the whenever you ask a creative person where did the idea start it it's a toss-up of <laughs> where exactly i should start that story but you know i like working with smart talented people and i've noticed that a lot of them are uh let's see well, shy is probably not the right word but basically they have doubts about their own work and i know that when i'm working on mm-hmm. a creative project i certainly have doubts so it's like is th- is this the thing that I should develop into something? And if I do, will anyone care? Will anyone like it? And if they do, will I be able to sell it? You know, like all of that is super normal. So I just thought that why not actually kind of work with people who are specifically uh, struggling with that or at least can identify with that and see if we can encourage each other. And so then I was starting to think of, since that's called imposter syndrome, what if we call it the imposters? And that kind of mutated into, oh, we could give it sort of a conspiracy theory vibe, like we're pod people or something like that. Mm -hmm. So basically it was an excuse to work with cool people and encourage them and an excuse to convince them to make games that I would like to play. Um, and so far, it is a resounding ex- uh, success in those two regards. I've found f- interesting people, tricked them into working with me, and they have made games that I would like to play. Fantastic. Did you have any any idea, any sense of what kind of games would come out of this? Or um, It sounds like you, you, know, you had an idea for what you wanted to play or what you wanted to, to see. What, what were you thinking was going to happen? Well, um, up until this year, I was... Uh, for the past couple of years, I was one of the global coordinators for Game Chef. So mm-hmm. I have tricked lots of people into making games. <laughs> and many of them I would like to play. It's one of my superpowers. But I'm totally okay with that. So I, I like to be surprised. It's kind of fun to set up creative constraints and then see what interesting things people will come up with. I mean, I knew some of the mm-hmm. people... I knew some of the people that I wanted to ask for sure to be in it. And then I also asked a lot of like 
put the tweet out there in public to say, hey, who uh, identifies with this, who wants to submit something? So, for example, Todd came in and a bunch of other people whose ideas were not as good. That's part of the reason I say with confidence his game is, is not bad. It's because his game was... Uh, <laughs> It was high up there in the ones that were pitched to us. So that's my meandering way of saying I didn't know exactly what I would get, but that's part of the fun of it. And now I think we've developed decent elevator pitches for the games and for the anthology as a whole. But there's definitely variety between the games. Excellent. Um, And... You were looking for people who have imposter syndrome. Did you find that the tweet, that sort of open call was effective or did you have to go and and shake down certain people? Um, I think it was effective, but the, uh, the trick is if they really have imposter syndrome, not all of them are going to right away respond to an open Mm -hmm. call. So there were a couple of people that I said, Hey, I really liked this game. Would you be interested in uh, making something similar, but conspiracy themed and updated? There were a couple people that I basically tried to uh, woo, but but it really was an open mm-hmm. call. So I don't want to make it seem like I knew ahead of time who I was going to get. It was a couple of, oh, you know what would fit sure. is a slightly different version of this. And I know that that person is shy about res- I'm not going to name any names, but some of the people on our team are a little bit shy about releasing their games because they're just worried how they'll get accepted. And they haven't always been convinced by the public at large that they fit into the mold of game designer, whatever that means. So those, uh, so there were a couple of emails that, Hey, do you want to submit a pitch? But mostly it was, yeah. you know, a surprise. Like I didn't know Todd very well beforehand and I was very glad to, have his game pitched to me and I kind of knew banana like kind of sort of a little bit but but I hadn't even heard of this Mm -hmm. game until (laughs) until I put out the pitch and I forget exactly how how we got connected that way did I banana do you remember did I hustle you for this specific game or did you suggest it I think I saw your post and um I responded because uh, I had recently written this up for uh, a Golden Cobra Award. Um, so I thought it was a good fit. And conspiracies are totally my jam. Cool. Very cool. So you were both tricked by the tweet. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we did, but I think we knew that getting into it in the sense of that, you know, Josh through Game Chef and previous project he'd worked on, like uh, Singularity, mm-hmm. that he's very much kind of this open person of it's like, I have an idea, let's see what happens with it. And then things just kind of happen and coalesce. He's really kind of good. He's like, and I'm getting my science terms probably wrong, but he's like a neutron star where things just kind of gravitate towards him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, I try to, I try to watch my waistline, but you know. Todd, you talked a little bit about your your thoughts on seeing the tweet. Um, but for both you and Banana, when you saw this, did you immediately have some idea of, oh, you know, this is a kind of game that I would want to pitch for this? Yeah, instantaneously, because on. Um... In my office, I have a note that's almost right next to the door. Whenever I want to kind of think about something uh, throughout the rest of the day when I'm not in the office, um, I'll put a note next to the door. And I had light of day just on a cue card written right there. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was always on my mind of what I wanted to do, how I could possibly do it. And then as soon as I saw that tweet, it was just instantaneous. Like, I think I literally was sitting at my desk at, at work in the office surrounded by people. And I literally went, ooh. <laughs> and then I realized that I said that out loud. And then <laughs> I just kind of quietly started to respond back of like, you know, I might have something. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it was almost instantaneously because I was trying to figure something out. But I'm, I don't really know a lot. This is my first foray into something on like the micro game scale, I guess you could put it as. So, you know, uh, I'd also heard about uh, Josh through other people uh, that I had known that had spoke of, really highly of him. So it was, if for me, it was more a matter of, you know, I hope I don't make a fool out of myself by, you know, by doing this, so to speak. Mm-hmm even if that includes never hearing back and just the never-ending doubt, you know, on this particular project continues. How about you, Banana? Did you know sort of immediately what you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, So for uh, when I saw Josh's post, um, it just happened to coincide with the same time as when um, the Golden Cobra thing was happening. And I had already written this game and... After Golden Cobra, I just didn't know what to do with it. I wanted to do something with it. And so uh, when Josh posted that, you know, the imposters, I just knew I had to reach out to him. Awesome. And Josh, you've got a game in the anthology too. Did it sort of arise uh, out of the the challenge that you laid out? Or did the challenge kind of come from the game you had floating around? Or how did that happen? Um, I would say it's... so. I had sort of a game engine that I had put out there. There's a game that I co-wrote, and it ended up in Epidiah Ravishall's Sword and Sorcery Journal. Um, and I liked it, and it was cool. But I was kind of thinking, you know, I wonder what would happen if I took some of the game elements and tried to make it. So the the premise of the original was, um, here's a one-shot for your D&D group on the day that um, somebody's character has died. Um, here's a little story game you can play at that character's funeral, which is a fun little I- idea. But mm-hmm. there's like, oh no, what if I made it more of like a, like an X-Files or a supernatural kind of thing? So it still happens at a funeral, and some of the mechanics are the same, but you make it much more modern and much more, more conspiracy and less uh, Conan. And so basically there was, there was a project that I wanted to totally redo that fit well with the pitch. And I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. It's one of those, like for me, this makes me sound very voyeuristic, but I mean it (laughs) encouragingly for me, success is when I make a game, it's, and I want to see other people playing it. Like, it's not even that I want to play it, because of course I want to play it, but I want to watch other people play this game. That that means that, for me, I have succeeded in making a cool game. So I want to see people play this game. That tells me that that uh, it has changed enough from the original to be its own thing. Very cool, yeah. And and I, I am very interested in, in hearing a little bit more about all of these games and hearing... Uh, people's experience playing them because they are so like just just the blurbs for them are so interesting so i I think we're gonna do that uh one of the lines in the kickstarter actually that i really like is um says all seven games because there's seven games in this this anthology uh, offer a play experience you've never had before (laughs) 
I I don't know. Like reading through these descriptions, I don't think I've played anything quite like any of these before. So I want to I want to brag on Banana's game because uh, yeah, well, I will let her brag on it too. But one of one of the <laughs> awesome things about her game, it and I wish that there were more uh, games that like this in some way, is that when mm-hmm. you are done playing it, there is an artifact for everyone else to enjoy. So. They're on to me as a solo LARP, and I do want Banana to talk about it, so I will hurry up and yeah. shut up. But uh, it involves <laughs> it involves posting short videos, and in the process, you're telling a story and going through the experience for yourself. But if most of the game is posting short videos, then at the end, the rest of us can just kind of watch. So uh, right now, there are three that I'm aware of that are available on YouTube. Uh, Oli Pater. Oh, wow. Holy Pater did one, and uh, uh, Toby Abbott. So, an, uh, very, a very nice Ooh, Norwegian okay. guy, a very nice Filipino guy, and then um, oh, Tony Obert is working on one now. So, a very, very nice North American guy has just started, and, and they're okay. all up on YouTube. Eventually, in one of the Kickstarter updates, probably before this uh, recording or this episode is posted, I'll post links to all three. But yeah. it's just fun to watch all three of them kind of go crazy. And I'm I all three of them have told me they had fun playing this game, but we can vicariously live through them by watching their their recordings. So good job, Banana. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. I, I only know uh, off the top of my head, uh, at least in my collection, of one solo RPG, and that's something that is definitely... Um, not something I would feel comfortable sharing with other people, my, my playthrough experience of this game. Um, oh, so okay. I'm super curious to hear, huh? Uh, I think I know which game you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> um, I get the feeling I know which one as well. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I am, re- I'm referring to the beast, um, which I considered and then I, I thought about it again and went, mm, no, that's, that's going to be for me only. Um, so, so I'm super curious to hear everything about this solo LARP that is meant to be shared. Like, where did, where does this come from? Like, what inspired this? I guess we'll start with. So, um, I come from a video art background and for me, um, I always wanted to try to incorporate video with LARP. Um, So I was like thinking of like different ways of doing it. And I spent a lot of time on YouTube. So of course I thought the best way to do this is through vlogging. (laughs) Uh, At the time I was just like thinking about like, um, I was going through a bit of stuff with like anxiety and I was thinking like, you know, what if we can use like solo LARPing as a way to sort of, as like a therapeutic way to, you know, get rid of, you know, all the anxiety. Yeah. And so as I started writing, um, it became more like of a meditative experience. Um, And I started playing it myself and a really strange product came out of it. (laughs) Um, So in the, in the original version, the solo LARP takes place over a course of 12 days Mm -hmm. and you are cut off at a minute um, at a time. But in this new version, the solo LARP takes place over a course of seven days, and there is a multiplayer mode. So uh, once the videos are posted by the original player, um, their friends or uh, you know public people that are commenting on the videos have to abide by these certain rules in the latest version. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
So, so what are the players? What are they doing? What are they um, making videos about? Um, so the players are mostly. It's it's strange because each um, each of the playthroughs I've seen, they kind of interpret um, parasitic alien in a different way. Oh, okay. Um, so with Ollie Pater's version, he was thinking that parasitic. Um, he was saying that like language is parasitic, and he went on about how uh, you can go through you can like communicate through language and it's just like communicate telepathically telepathically through language and mm. he went on this like really long rant about it <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was really intense and amazing to watch uh, whereas other people they you know take it more literally they would say you know it's actually like a parasitic alien that's like crawling in through your ear or something hmm. um, so it's different for each person <laughs> oh that's cool do, are, are there um, is it like the same prompt for each day or is there some randomness to it um, so there are different prompts for each day um, every day you're asked a different question and you're expected to answer that but the first sentence and the last sentence has to be the same Ooh. So you have to start your sen- uh, start your vlog with one sentence and then end it with um, another sentence I, every day. Okay. And I found when I'm watching them, it seems very natural that they like. If I didn't know that that was one of the rules, it wouldn't have stuck out to me at all. So it it makes a nice framing device, but it's it seems like something a normal person recording video uh, diary entry might do but it it i think it helps and i think that it's cool that you did that but it totally doesn't stick out when you're watching yeah um so usually it's uh the prompts that i've made for this one it's um hey world this is my name and then they would end with uh talk later originally it was um originally it was supposed to end with they're on to me i have to go but then i realized it's a little hard for the first few prompts. <laughs> oh, okay. So there is there is a scripted element. A little bit, yeah. Like like a little. Okay. Very cool. I I like too that you mentioned that it started sort of as as a way to cope because I know there's you know we we tell jokes about oh how can I how can I get through this work day or how can I you know do this thing and there's always a joke of like oh well pretend pretend it's a LARP pretend you're you're LARPing going to the grocery store pretend you're LARPing whatever um and it's and it's a funny joke that we you know say to each other but there's I think there's some truth behind that and there's some value behind that so yeah I just wanted to yeah to remark on that I guess uh I I found myself LARPing patience and you know it's like okay I'm gonna pretend pretend that I can like I can outlast whatever this is, and it turns out if you pretend you can outlast it, you know most of the time that's all it takes. Just fake it till you make it. We're just yeah. we're just larping it until we can actually do it. And I find that like solo larps, a lot of the time they're different from regular or not regular larps, but like larps that have more than one person in them, um, and that they're more contemplative, um, mm. and that. You know, they often have like this journaling aspect, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like about enjoying the moment that you spend with yourself and being in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, LARPs are something that I know a little, uh, quite a lot less about, actually. Are there a lot of solo LARPs? There aren't a lot of solo LARPs, oh, <laughs> aside from the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
aside from the beast, I know uh, Whitney Delaglio is working on Smile, which is like a, a selfie LARP. So you're Aww. taking selfies That's and cute. like reacting to these prompts. Yeah. I okay. I sort of collect these. So the the real answer is there are hardly any, but. <laughs> Um, Jay Lee has one that she's working on called Twain, which is, uh, you have a, an estranged identical twin and it's very much like Banana saying sort of ends up being like a journaling exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, Jackson Tegu has some on his Patreon that are kind of, they're kind of like, um, Tim Hutchings entrance in this anthology in some ways in that they involve psychogeography, which is a whole other thing, but is kind of cool and can be like a solo LARP. And then, um, Caitlin Bell, who's the co-designer of Singularity also has some on her Patreon that basically count. Um, one of which is a real game. That's the title is a real game <laughs> that won the Indie ground breaker award in 2016 and is a good, it is quite an experience, but is very contemplative in nature. I love that, that they've titled it that because that's, I feel like where the conversation usually goes next is if you're playing it only with, by yourself, is it still a game? Mm -hmm. So yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. And it is what, a real game. <laughs> yeah. What's cool about these is that they're almost like the game books of LARPing, you know, back the 1980s, um, uh, choose your own adventure style oh, of like yeah. D&D books that they had. Yeah, exactly. These solo LARPs are almost a way of the game book equivalent of that. And that's what's really cool And that, you know, um, people really seem to be slowly but surely, I think, gravitating towards it. And I think you're going to start to see a lot more. And especially, too, with Bananas Game, watching it, when, you know, like the, the couple of Toby's videos that I've seen so far really look as if it's someone... It, it would fit right there with someone else's actual conspiracy theory <laughs> video that's up there that I can actually imagine Tony or sorry, Toby getting these emails from people yeah. saying like, you know, you see them too. <laughs> I get them all the time, you know, and then just getting flooded in his junk mail and everything. So it's like, it, it's really interesting to watch and that. Yeah. It's something that you can actually share. Uh, unlike with a game book, you know, where you can only say it's like, and then I turn to page 69. <laughs> Everybody's like, nice. Yeah, there's solo to play, but it still creates some kind of a shared experience. It's really interesting to watch. Yeah, I don't I don't want to spo spoil Ole Paters for anyone, but let's just say that um, he's an experienced LARPer and that there may or may not be theater blood involved in one of the latest <laughs> videos so Amazing. if you have a low tolerance for shock you might want to skip this but <laughs> but you really shouldn't you really shouldn't skip it oh man the bar is set yes. high now yes. oh, oh that's awesome um banana was was having a a shareable artifact was that something that was important to you when you were making this game or is it just sort of a happy side effect um, it was kind of like just this, this I, I wasn't really expecting um, this much of a response, I guess. Um, I didn't expect anyone to actually play through the game for all 12 days, to be honest. Oh, huh. um, <laughs> I was expecting, you know, everyone to stop by the sixth day. Um, but yeah, this is, the feedback was incredible. Um, and I'm really happy. I'm really surprised. I wasn't really expecting, you know, I wasn't really thinking about, like, an artifact to have afterwards mm -hmm. uh, so much as, like, recording a performance. It, uh, how that's 
it's like more like having this um, private experience that you keep for yourself. And, you know, if it goes public, it goes public. Mm. And, you know, if you decide to delete it, then that's, you know, another thing. Okay. Uh, I, I know some people who are big on games that produce artifacts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it, it is a cool genre of game, I think, to have that have that piece you can either, yeah, keep to yourself or, or share with others. Todd, I would love to talk about your game. Okay. Yours is The Light of Day. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what happens <laughs> in The Light of Day. Uh, basically, it's a cross between Edward Snowden and Ocean's Eleven in that um, you are a team – I wouldn't even say you're a team. Actually, you're, you're a group of government employees who have had access to sensitive information that's been kept from the public, and you decide as a group to do something about it and to release it. Um, and the main objective is the, of the game is to get that data out of the building discreetly and securely – in order to get it into someone else's hands uh, so that it can go out to the rest of the world, whether or not that's uh, giving it to a reporter um, uh, physically where, you know, like actually meeting, uh, you know, in a diner or something like that yeah. and handing over a thumb drive or something like that, um, and to do so without being caught whatsoever. And uh, the idea that came to me, and like I said, this is back during the whole Game Chef process, yeah. was the idea of technology was one of the main ingredients in this. And right away, I had the idea of, you know, those people that actually check their phones while they're in the middle of a game. Well, let's incorporate that into the game. And it's mm. literally a bunch of people sitting at the same table, staring at their phones, not talking to each other. <laughs> um so All because right, I love that. <laughs> yeah, what you do basically is that there's two different types of actions that you take. So there's the the basic conversation of the game of, you know, my character does this, what do I see? This is what you see. Um that is the open aspect of the game where you basically go about your day-to-day -day regular life unsuspiciously doing what you've been told to do. Um mm -hmm. and in between, you're taking these covert actions, and they are all done using personal devices where you're actually communicating with other players in the game. So, for example, if you describe your character as like, you know, getting up and going to the bathroom, well, now that that's happened, this is what everybody in the building sees. This is what security guards, security cameras, other employees, your managers, everything like this, this is what they see you doing, going to the bathroom. Then once that happens and you're in that room, you can then start sending a text message to one of the other members of the of the group to say, okay, I'm actually putting the file underneath, you know, like the second stall to the left. Oh, nice. But the risk in doing so is that every time you give one of your open actions, you have to roll a die, um, a d6 actually, to determine whether or not the player who's playing um, basically the government, the agency, gets a chance to look at your personal device to see what you've been up to at that last particular moment. So aside from balancing off your open actions and your covert actions, you also have to have these various bluffs and decoys that are available. Um, it is possible for everyone to be using the same channel. So, you know, say for everyone just doing like a Facebook messaging back and forth, mm -hmm. but you don't want to do everything necessarily as a group because you don't want everyone's actions to suddenly be caught at that particular moment. Because if the agency looks at your device and sees mm -hmm. clear cut evidence that you have stolen data in your possession, 
or that you've handed it off to somebody, anyone who's been caught in that particular moment is now basically up for grabs and can be taken in for questioning and basically taken out of the mission. Um, so you really want to be able to mix things up um, and just create a distraction uh, in order to reach the final part where you hand the data over and then you know, kind of the, the world discovers onto itself. Oh, man. So basically creating a conspiracy game where you're actually conspiring against you know, one, at least one of the other players at the table, but then to really kind of throw uh, a little mess into it, uh, we added an element of a mole. So one of the other players in the group is actually working with the agency and ratting out at the same time. And no one else but the agency and the mole knows who the mole is. So it's a game where it's like you have to work together, but you can't completely trust each other. Oh, my God. Um, is is the agency like the the GM essentially, or is it a more than one person? Uh, no, it is uh, it is the the GM. Okay. Uh, I seem to be incapable of writing games without GMs in it. I haven't crossed that hurdle yet. No, I I think in this case it works. It it makes a lot of sense that they would be. Um, <laughs> oh boy, that sounds kind of stressful. <laughs> I like games that create stress, but it's stress in the sense of kind of like, how are we going to get this done? How are we going to accomplish this? You yeah. know, it's like you really have to get creative and thought provoking because, like I said, it was something that and my initial concerns with creating it was, is it something that it only seems like it's intricate in my head and will function out this way? And that was one of the nice things working with Jeremy Morgan, the editor yeah. for the anthology. Um, which was really cool because when you find out that you're actually working with someone whose name you have in a book that you that you Aww. bought years back, you know, like something like that was really cool and kind of really helped um, kind of give a little credence to everything. But yeah, it, it was something where I, I like having that sense of, of tension in the yeah. game where, you know, you never know how it's going to go. And it's not just because of a die roll. The die roll complicates it, but um, I, I just like you know, having games like that. I like watching my players sweat. Um, was it that sort of desire to create tension and watch your players sweat that that sort of planted the idea for this? Or, or did it come from like Edward Snowden and current events and the climate of the times or kind of both or none of those things or? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely the, the sign of the times. Like I said, the, the whole idea of Edward Snowden, uh, once I started thinking of the idea of playing through text messages and that mm -hmm. kind of thing, then the idea of being Edward Snowden's type, type characters and especially to the secrecy of information and how, you know, the line between, you know, real news, fake news, whatever it is you want to call it and everything like that and how you can't trust information yeah. anymore um, really kind of resonated with me um, and especially to the idea of mixing it in with kind of a heist game where you're not really professional thieves. These are, you are not, people who are doing what you are normally trained to do you may be experts at you know uh, computer programming and whatnot that's why you're there but that's not what's going to help you perform this mission you don't have a driver you don't have a, a sniper you don't have a guy who's you know good at cutting wires and everything like that you're ordinary everyday people who've decided to do something even if that means you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. Or your characters, at least, will spend your life in jail. I should clarify, no one gets arrested actually playing this game. Wink. Um... Well, it depends. If you play it nude in the park, it's quite possible you will be arrested while playing this game. Um, have you gotten a chance to play through it, the whole game? No, I haven't. And that's simply because 
the amount of game time that I actually get to have is quite limited, and this is not something that really connects with the group that I have. Um, I have to make them sweat through acts of violence. Uh, so, no, this was one of those things where I didn't really know if it worked out. And I had tried a couple of times where I would actually post the Game Chef version of it and say, hey, you know, I'd love to know if this thing works. I just don't have the time to do it. And nobody yeah. did. So that's why, you know, like the whole imposter syndrome thing really kind of kicked in because this was something that was a little bit more out of my element. It's as much as it has very specific kind of like um, – turn-based mechanics uh, in a way the whole idea of it being a more open-ended style of play the whole conversation concept that you see with powered by the apocalypse world games this is the first time i'd ever done something quite as you know open-ended yet as specific as this so yeah i i really didn't know going into this uh we have put it through playtesting since then todd um, nice. remind me if i'm if i'm correct did i tell you that i get I got feedback for your game, but it, but that I didn't want to share it with you, or was that somebody else? I can't. Do you remember? I can't that remember. I, I I seem to recall that nobody got around to play testing it, but I haven't heard anything back yet. Okay. Well, the, let let me spoil a surprise for Todd. I did get play test feedback from his game, and it was okay. It was super helpful. In that the person playing the GM is uh, and who gave me the feedback was not a good fit for the game because it sounds like the so the person playing the agency wasn't having fun but everyone else was and they were a good playtest feedback giver because they told me all of the things that were quote unquote wrong with it which basically just means it wasn't their play style so uh, because I didn't know Todd that well I was. I basically said, yeah, we didn't get useful feedback. We did. The game worked, but it just so happened that the person who played the agency really hated it because it's not his kind of game. So it's like, yay. But I consider it a success. And we, and the feedback, like he told me this happened, then this happened, then this happened. So Jeremy and I did uh, edit the game to make it even more of what it is. And that guy was never going to be happy with it, but but it's a good game. It's just literally, if D and D is the only kind of game you like, none of the seven games in here are going to be your game. Yeah, it's it's the kind of game I'm so curious to hear about people's playthroughs mm-hmm. for this game. I, like, I want to know how it all goes down, but I'm having an anxiety attack thinking about playing it. Like, you know what? I'm going to take that as mission accomplished <laughs> just off that right there. If the whole concept actually causes you to stress out, I do apologize, yeah. but at the same time, too, fist bump to myself. Yep, that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, it maybe kind of speaks to the subject matter, um, and especially too when it comes to yeah. all these conspiracy games, is that it's not really that obscure of an idea anymore um, for these kind of things. It's become mm-hmm. more and more believable, whether or not it's actually based on fact or it's based on our own assumptions that are biased by political reasons or anything like that. Um, I think that's what makes these things really kind of resonate with people. And I think people who are into the more kind of indie style micro games and LARPs and everything like that are very inclined to really gravitate towards these kind of things because they're very much about the whole experiential Al Pacino style of acting where it's like they need to live as this character and feel and understand what a person like this would actually go through. Um, So yeah, like Josh said, it's, you know, like if you're into D and D, 
Um, I don't think there's anything involving hit points in any of these games. I don't know. I haven't really read any of them. But if you're really into something where it's like you want to have, you know, tension that is really self-propelled by, you know, how much you are willing to invest into it. Yeah, these ones were totally fit your bill. And correct me if I'm wrong, those of you who have, like, like Josh, who've probably read all of the games in the anthology, but this definitely seems like one of the heaviest ones in the group, you know, without that uh, ability for levity of aliens or werewolves or, you know, this this is life and things that are probably happening right now. Well, there's nothing to say it couldn't be aliens. Like, it's the data that you steal <laughs> is totally at your discretion. So you can go... You can go gonzo with it, or you can go totally as just like, oh my god, I have the name of Trump's drug dealer, you know? Like, um, so I, it's really up to just how deep and how heavy you want to go with it. And and I would say this is probably too diplomatic diplomatic an answer, but uh, all all of my all I love all of my babies. Um, no, I think that this might be the only one that has a traitor mechanic, which I realize can be super stressful to some people and it, and it's definitely super dramatic for everyone to know that someone else at the table may or may not be secretly working against you. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that that reinforces the tone of like, okay, current events, this could be happening right now. If the person across from you may or may not be acting like your friend right now. Um, yeah. So that, that doesn't have to be your cup of tea or if it is, maybe you just need to uh, sign up to be the government so that we all know ahead of time who is against you. That's a good. That's a good way to play. Just, just be the government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, Josh, your game we talked about a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so my here's my elevator pitch. Uh, it depends on if you've seen X Files or Supernatural or any of those shows, but imagine one of the main characters has died. Uh, you know, basically a a monster hunter has been killed by monsters and. All of the players at the table are people who uh, are related, closely related to that person. It's a partner or it's a relative or, you know, it's somebody who owes them a lot of money. Kind of fiasco style uh, in as the way the relationships, the relationships are set up. So everyone randomly determines their relationship to the deceased and a side goal that they have that they're trying to do at the funeral. So the whole game... The story of the game happens at the funeral of a law enforcement officer who was killed by werewolves. So, uh, oh, and it's called the the way of all flesh. So, it's ca- a card mechanic, and you use mm. cards to figure out your relationship to the deceased, and you use cards to determine what your goal at the funeral is, and then uh, you use your leftover cards to uh, resolve any like challenges in the game, but it's, uh, I would say it's a freeform game, which kind of puts it in the nebulous realm between tabletop and LARP. Um, that term gets thrown around a lot and Lizzie Stark did an excellent job of describing, uh, the trend of American freeform games. And she has an article on, um, leaving mundania that describes, uh, some things she has noticed about American freeform games. But in this case, I just mean it is definitely, my game is definitely a tabletop game. Um, There are, there's mechanics for randomly determining who wins and who loses. There's strategy elements to it, but at the same time, it's less crunchy and, and more acky. Very cool. I was curious about uh, your use of freeform, but Lizzie Stark is a, this is an excellent book that she's got. 
about that. So thank you. Any of you guys, um, can you tell me anything about any of the other games in the anthology? I can do that. Does anybody else want to talk about any of them? Because I don't want to talk all the time, but I know I, as the lead designer, I know I have read them all. I briefly <laughs> read through um, a few of them. Uh, I read through The Meat by Alex Carlson, and mm-hmm. that's uh, that's definitely something I want to play, mostly because it requires you um, and some other players to be in like a public space to play it, if um, mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And you have mm. to act as if you're, um, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist and you just like hang out in a public space acting all suspicious. <laughs> I find that really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Yes. I, I feel like if you added the element of filming yourself, then you would just blend right in and nobody would, <laughs> would pay you a, any mind whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. So I kind of like that you don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally like a meetup of conspiracy. Like, you are playing conspiracy theorists who are trying to have a secret meeting in public, and you are worried that everyone around you is going to catch on. So you try to hide what you're doing, and there are rules for, like, how you can communicate with each other to try to get anything done, but you have to be careful to not reveal yourself to the outsiders, which it just makes it kind of a fun tension of, like... Am I successfully communicating anything at all with this other person? Because we're both trying to be crazy, but we're both trying to hide our craziness. So, or not crazy. They're the only ones who really know the truth. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, there are also, uh, Tim Hutchings has a game. He is a very talented artist, among other things. Um, and he has a game uh, called Field Notes 23 that involves... Uh, observing your surroundings and journaling about it. It's one of the games that if you have read a million role-playing games, it's going to sound like the weirdest one, but really it's, it's, uh, it's just a little bit artsier and it's not harder or less fun. It's just involves some drawing and some journaling and again, this one, you don't come away with a video artifact. You come away with a actual paper artifact. Um, but it's also a very, very pretty game because he illustrated it himself. And it has kind of a um, collage look to it. I haven't posted any images yet of that game on the Kickstarter. But it's it's a very mm-hmm. cool looking game. Oh, um Side note, I may or may not tell everyone this, but we can mention it here so uh, listeners to the podcast will know. Um, There Mm -hmm. are encoded messages in each of the games in the book. So if anybody just for fun wants to learn how to uh, decrypt messages, there's there's at least one hidden message in each game in the book. So so go figure that out and and tell me if you can solve our, our encrypted puzzle. I will be very curious to hear if anyone, A, if anyone bothers, and B, if anyone is successful in figuring out what any of them say. Awesome. Oh, and, and Tim Hutchings' game, that was the one where you, the one you meant when you mentioned psychogeography. Um, yes. What is that? <laughs> okay, so I am not an expert, but having listened to probably three podcasts about it, that qualifies me to talk about it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, psychogeography is the idea of the way I would describe it is you are 
wandering around and you're being conscious of your surroundings. So you're kind of, um, it's kind of like self-hypnosis meets orienteering. Um, hmm. So my best explanation is go read the book and do it. But uh, Jackson Tegu has another game that follows it falls in that category, and it's called Follow. I think that one is available for free. But uh, Jackson's game, you basically follow a recipe, and the recipe mm -hmm. involves you walking around and looking for the closest whatever, and you just kind of step-by-step um, st step go exploring. But in the process, you're thinking about what you're doing. So it's uh, another so kind of self-reflective game, but... Rather than sitting in one place and talking to a camera, you are wandering your neighborhood and looking for the highest window before you write something down. Hmm. And I promise it's not quite as weird to do as it is hard to explain. <laughs> no, that's cool. It's, it sounds like we've got another good opportunity for like interesting artifacts that um, to share that like I would love to see some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, any, anything else about, um, any of your three games or any of the other games in the collection we want to make sure we talk about? But I don't, I want to skip anyone. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. see, so we talked about, so we talked about bananas mm -hmm. and Todd's and mine and Tim's and Alex's and that leaves two. Yep. Nick and James. Oh, Nick and James. Okay. So Nick has another, uh, another game where you are federal agents with access to information but in mm -hmm. his game you are bored and it's kind of soap opera-y like you're this is how you fill your day if you have top secret clearance and a crush on the person in the cubicle next to you <laughs> called it is called love int which is actually um a intelligence services term but he's kind of using it uh, slightly differently um and then james has another Another game, it's like Todd's in that it reminds me, uh, it's closer to a traditional game than some of these other ones we have been talking about. But his mm -hmm. is uh, set in a world where some people are psychic and it is illegal to be psychic. So the government is basically, uh, it's an authoritarian government that's trying to crack down on you um, and you are trying to both use and hide your psychic powers. Um, in kind of a near future dystopia. So it is also fun, but it, it's probably uh, more accessible to tabletop fans. Uh, and it's a little bit less LARPy if, if that term scares you. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like there's a really good range of games with, you know, with, with just seven games in this collection, we've, you've got the more traditional games. You've got a solo LARP, you know, um, from one end to the other. Was that intentional? The Yes, I want to say yes, because uh, that makes me sound <laughs> yeah. smart. Um, I like yeah. a lot of different things, and I hope that uh, anybody who is in the RPG hobby will find will like at least half of the games in there, and I encourage people to read all of them and maybe try the weirdest one that sounds fun or the farthest mm -hmm. one from your comfort zone. And, you know, so... Uh, if, if you're like me, you will definitely like all seven. But uh, for a $10 digital copy, even if you only get three games out of it, 
that's still a pretty sweet deal. So $10, you say? What's uh, what, what's going on with the Kickstarter? Oh, okay. So, hey, we're Kickstarting this thing. Uh, the Kickstarter Yay. goes until May 11th. Uh, mm-hmm. At the time of our recording, we are over a third funded. So uh, That's awesome. Check where it is now. You... It started yesterday morning. Wait, no, it started... What is it? It started, uh, no... The 11th? It started the 11th, and today's, so two days ago it started, and uh, we're a third of the way funded. Um, We have plans for stretch goals. We're not announcing all of them until we hit our initial goal, but who knows where we'll be at the time this comes out. The first goal, which I can say for sure, first stretch goal will be additional art by Tim Hutchings, the professional artist we've we have photography the book already looks awesome but we're thinking of basically making it longer and letting tim go nuts and add some illustrations Mm -hmm. if we pass our first goal but uh ten dollars will get a digital copy twenty five dollars will get you a physical copy and a digital copy and forty dollars will get you that plus a few more ginger go games including the recently released um Todd Crapper joint Trump slash Putin, which is a for all he for all he describes himself as a more traditional designer. That is a two player LARP <laughs> that has a very satirical and very topical tone. It's about the uh, troubled relationship between mm. the presidents of the United States and Russia, and I really like it. But I realize that that is a game that might start some fights if you're not careful. Uh, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that one. So it sounds like uh, that Kickstarter will still be running when this episode comes out. Um, you'll still have plenty of time to back it. And I encourage you to. That All that stuff will be in the show notes. Anything else that the, the three of you want to make sure we touch on um, before we start wrapping up? Uh, we haven't said uh, her name out loud yet, but Jay Silvano, who's doing the layout for us, she is making a very pretty game. And as of as of right now... Um, the book is already, like, the text is done, and the book is already half laid out, and there are some sample images on the Kickstarter already. I imagine that there will be more by the time that the episode comes out, or I should say I, I will make sure that there are more by then, but but I really like how the game, the book looks. I, I like the sort of, uh, there, it's photography. It's good photography, Mm -hmm. and Jay has been very nice uh, in turning it into sort of, speaking of artifacts, I think this will be a satisfying artifact to have in your hands and to look through. Uh, Banana's game looks really cool. I'm looking at a picture. Yeah, that's the the one you've got on the the Kickstarter Mm -hmm. page. uh, It looks like her game. It's really just... I think you can see, if you look at the first update, I think that's publicly available... You can also see James's game, the first page. It looks it looks like a trash mm. fire, but in yeah. a, a trash fire in the best way. <laughs> Very pretty trash fire. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't doesn't mean like a figurative. Like there, it, it's literally a fire. I'm looking at. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's all that I definitely wanted to point out is that, of course, on an audio podcast, you can't tell, but trust me when I say that it's really pretty. Or if you don't believe me, go look mm-hmm. at the pictures. <laughs> Yeah, there's only one way to solve it. Go to Kickstarter. Take a look for the imposters. Plug, plug, plug. Uh-huh. 
All right. So where can we find you guys on the internet? We'll have the Kickstarter link in the show notes uh, so people can find that, but we want to have your links as well. So um, where can we find you, Todd? Uh, you can actually find me on uh, Twitter predominantly at Warden Op, and that's uh, Warden underscore Op. Um, I'm also on Google Plus quite a bit, and I'm finally starting to take uh, more um, strangers into my Facebook friends as a way to kind of actually enjoy using Facebook a little bit more. Um, hmm. And my name is kind of easy to spot. There aren't too many of me kicking around, so we don't have to worry about whether or not using the right accent and spelling. Uh, Banana Chin, how about you? Where can we find you online? Um, you can usually find me through Game in a Curry. So Game in a Curry Twitter, Facebook, and I believe Google Plus as well. Nice. And how about you, Josh? Uh, I am Josh T. Jordan on Twitter and Google Plus. And I don't know if I use my middle initial on Facebook or not. You're welcome to come find me. Uh, there, there are a lot of Josh Jordans on, Twitter, on Facebook, but it should be fairly <laughs> obvious if you found the right one. Um, or joshtjordan.com is another place that you can find information about our games and my other stuff. Awesome. All three of you, thank you all so much for doing this. This has been great. Well, thank you. Yes, thanks. It's been fun. Thanks again to Josh, Banana, and Todd for sharing their awesome games with me and for braving a podcast appearance, even though they might be listening. You can find all their links in the show notes and be sure to support their campaign. Thanks again as well to Tabletop Artisans for supporting the show. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast or at the headquarters at modifierpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send comments, questions, or contribution suggestions to modifierpodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as that helps more people find us. Modifier is a proud member of the One Shot Podcast Network, an amazing family of RPG podcasts that includes incredible shows like One Shot, Campaign, Backstory, and Talking Tabletop. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then.